First Baptist Melbourne podcast, making disciples here and everywhere for the glory of God. Good morning, church. If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 is where we'll be reading this morning. And uh, I love that song. Great segue kind of into the portion of Scripture that we're reading today. Um, I had a phone call yesterday in the afternoon, Pastor Scott, and uh, it was late afternoon and said he wasn't feeling well, something about a football team losing or something. <laughs> and so he asked... I'm just kidding on that. He called me a couple weeks ago, and of course this week is the week that our pastor is away doing his calendar planning for 2022 and his series next year. And um, if you're visiting here this morning, like I told the earlier uh, audience here today, if you have to choose between coming this week and next week, come next week, all right? And uh, we'll call it that. But it's great to see everybody here this morning and uh, grateful for our pastor and uh, looking forward to diving into the scripture Today, uh, a while back, I was uh, sitting on my couch and I had just been brought by my wife an awesome bowl of Bear Claw ice cream, the best ice cream there is out there, chocolate with the little caramel swirls with the chocolate chunks inside of it. And if you eat Bear Claw ice cream, then you have to do it one scoop at a time, but you've got to avoid all the little chocolate pieces and save that for the last bite at the very end and have that awesome chocolate bite. And I was going through doing that and got down toward the end, and all of a sudden I was distracted and called away, and I had to set the bowl down. And so I left, and when I came back, it was to the sight of my wife with the bowl in her hand and the spoon in this hand, and she had just eaten the last bite of my bear claw ice cream. And uh, now you know the reason for the greatest fight we've ever had in our marriage after 20 years of marriage. But I think you'll justify, I think I'm justified in that and the righteous indignation that I had. And uh, she looked at me and she said, it was just too tempting. Just too tempting. Uh, I have the awesome privilege of working with our young adult here, the college students and the young professionals. And a couple weeks ago, I was over there and I took my iPad and I laid it down on the uh, seat area there before we went into our group time. And uh, a couple of our college kids found it and uh, they took it and they proceeded to take all kinds of selfies on my iPad. I believe I've got a picture up there. That's Josh Williams and Audrey Ogle, never thinking that they would arrive on a Sunday morning service for the world to see. And uh, they looked at me and said, Jared, it was just too tempting. You left that thing sitting there and we just had to take those selfies. When we come to Luke chapter four, we read about probably one of the most somber times in the life of Christ. And it's the time of our Lord's temptation. The time when the Spirit takes him into the wilderness and he spends 40 days and 40 nights fasting and having, allowing that Satan is tempting him throughout that time. And that's the verses that I want to read this morning. Luke chapter 4, we'll be reading one verse, sorry, verse 1 down through verse number 13. The Bible says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world 
And in a moment of time, and the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time." Let's pray this morning, church. Father, we love you. We are truly grateful that we've been able to celebrate the last few days, uh, your goodness with friends and with family. uh, Father, we're grateful for the freedom that we have this morning to be able to gather this morning as a church family, uh, to gather around your word, uh, to allow the Holy Spirit to guide and direct in our thinking, help us as we read together, as we uh, learn together. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you guide and direct in our thoughts and in our minds. I pray you be with us as we look at this portion of Scripture, this somber life and the life of Christ, as he was tempted, not for his sake, but for our sake. Uh, Father, I pray you be with our time together this morning. Uh, Bless everything that takes place in your name. Amen. Well, a couple of years ago, our family had the awesome opportunity to baptize my youngest daughter, uh, it took place right out here at one of our outside services. It was a Sunday evening. And um, I remember when I was able to get into the trough they had formed out there and we were able to baptize her. And just what a special moment that was in our family's life. We had extended family that had come in uh, to watch her be baptized. And like many of you who may have had children or grandchildren or whatever it is, come to be baptized, you celebrate that time together. And we had finished up. And after we were done there, we went out to eat and, of course, got her a, a Bible and began to just love this journey going forward of watching her grow spiritually in her young life and loving the fact that she had placed her faith in Christ and was following after him. If I had finished up that event, though, after her baptism, and I had kind of said, well, sweetheart, I'm glad you got baptized. I'm taking off now. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and walk home? And, um, you know, on your way, just be careful. Trip up. You may be tempted along the way. uh, But just walk home, and and I'll I'll see you later. If I had done that, uh, most of us this morning would have thought, man, that that is crazy. What a harsh father. But yet, when you come to the life of Christ in Luke chapter 4, That's the scenario that's being played out. Uh, We didn't read these verses, but back in Luke chapter 3, the event that takes place right before we read Luke chapter 4 is the baptism of Christ. He's there at the Jordan River. John the Baptist baptizes him. We know the story where the heavens part. The Bible says there's a voice from heaven that says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We see how the Holy Spirit comes down. We see the picture of the Trinity there. And it says immediately after that happens, in verse number one of of chapter four, it says Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. He returned from the Jordan, just finished getting baptized. And it says, and he was immediately led by the Spirit into the wilderness. We see Jesus going from a a spiritual climax, if you will, what we would view that in our life, right away into going into a time, into a wilderness time, into a time that he would go through so that he would one day be able to identify with us as we go through temptation. And you know, Christian, this morning, many times in our Christian life, it's that same way. 
If you're here this morning and you've been uh, no Christ, you've been saved any amount of time, you can look back on life and you can possibly see times where maybe you were on a, a spiritual high and then after you were going through that time and you felt your walk close to God and then maybe he led you into a, a wilderness time or a time, as the Bible talks about here, a time of temptation. In scripture, the word temptation is used, the idea of temptation is used in, in three different ways. There's the way that we see it in Luke chapter 4 here where Satan comes along and he tries to tempt us to do something that's wrong. There's the testing where the Bible says we can tempt God that we'll read about. Jesus talks about that a little later in this portion of scripture. And then there's the temptation that James talks about where he says, he talks about how God will lead us into time of temptations in order for us to become spiritually mature. God never tempts us with evil, the Bible says, but it says that God allows us to go into times of testing and trial for spiritual maturation or maturity, if you will. When you come here to Jesus' life, we see while we're going through those times, Satan many times comes into our life and he begins to tempt us in the same ways that he tempted Christ here in Luke chapter 4. And so I, if I had to title this morning this, this message, I would say, you know, when I'm tempted to question. When I'm tempted to question, and there are three specific temptations that Jesus, that, that, that the Holy Spirit brings out for us in Scripture here that Jesus is tempted with. It doesn't tell us how many temptations Jesus had during this 40-day wandering in the wilderness. All it brings out is three of them. It tells us that he was out there for 40 days, and it says that while he was out there, Satan was tempting him. And it is careful to highlight three specific temptations that Jesus is faced with, faced with. And so I want to look at those this morning just briefly. And the first one that we come to, the first temptation that we see Satan comes to Jesus with is the temptation to question God's love. Look what he says in verse number three. It says, And the devil said to him, notice this next line, If you are the Son of God, or since you are the Son of God, uh, Satan knew who Jesus was. He had, he had been around at Jesus' baptism. He saw that take place. He knew that it had taken place. Satan knew who Jesus was. And so he comes and he uses that first line. He says, if you are the son of God. And notice the implication that Satan is making there. He looks at Jesus and says, I, I heard you're God the Father's beloved son. Uh, loved by the Father, if you will. Uh, Jesus if you're God's loved son, why does he have you out there in the wilderness? Why are you having to go through this? If you're God's beloved son, why are you hungry? The scripture is very careful to point out that he was hungry during that time. Why does it appear that God's put you out here with no provision, with nothing to take care of yourself? If you're really God's son, then why are you going through that? And Christian, this morning, Satan will come to us with that very same, tempt same temptation when we go through hard times in life. When we go through rough times, Satan will show up and he'll say, oh, son of God, huh? Child of God. Why is your father allowing you to go through this? Why is your father doing fill in the blank with maybe whatever scenario it is in your life. And that's what Jesus is tempted with right off the bat. And he, he looks at Jesus, he says, hey, if you're the son of God, uh, you're hungry, why don't you command these stones to become bread? Now, this was a command that Jesus and his eternal, as, as eternal God was capable of, but as, his, as taking on his humanity, he had made himself, he had surrendered himself to the Father's will. 
And so for him to do this, yes, as, as an eternal God, he was capable of that. But to do that would be something that was outside of God's will. As one author put it, Jesus had a legitimate need, but he was being tempted to fulfill that legitimate need in an illegitimate way. He looks at him and he says, why don't you command these stones to be made into bread? And in John chapter 5 and verse 30, Jesus talks about this. He says, I can of myself do nothing as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sends me. And Jesus, who is in total harmony with God in his mind, thinking to himself, I'm not going to command these stones to be made. That's outside of the will of my Father. A Christian, this morning, there will be times in our life when we are tempted to question God's love when we go through wilderness experiences. It was a few, few, few weeks ago, I was with my daughter, and uh, we were driving down the road, and we passed by uh, Rita's ice cream over here. My daughter looked at me, and she said, Dad, can we stop for ice cream? And I said, sweetheart, we're kind of in a hurry right now. We've got to keep going. We've got to, maybe, when we come, maybe when we come back by, every parent's famous last words that they're hoping the child will forget Maybe when we come back by. And so off we went. And sure enough, a couple hours later, we are coming back by. And as we come by, my daughter looks at it and says, Dad, read his ice cream. Remember, you said, I said, and I said, I said, what? She said, you said, maybe, they hate that word, maybe we can stop. I said, sweetheart, man, we are in such a hurry. We've got to keep moving. I don't have time to stop. And I'm, she looked at me and she said those words that most parents in here have heard don't you love me? <laughs> it's amazing how as we go through life, our love, uh, people, the way we think people feel about us or people's love toward us is contingent upon our immediate situation, the circumstances that we're in the midst of. And church, this morning, if we're not careful, we can begin to view God that way where we look around at all of our temporary, and they are temporary, circumstances. And we look at those and we say, God, I see all of these things going on in my life. Are you sure? And Satan will say, hey, are you sure that the Father loves you? And I love Jesus' response. He says, Satan, he goes, I've read the scripture. He goes, I've read about another group of people that were in this wilderness a little while ago. They wandered in this wilderness for 40 years. While they were out here, their scripture was this, man shall not live by bread alone, Jesus would quote, but by every word of God. Jesus steps back and he says, I'm not going to focus on my temporary circumstances. Instead, I'm going to realize that I have a loving heavenly father that has an eternal goal and an eternal outlook on my life. And though these circumstances right now may be temporary, what I'm going through right now, uh, it will only last for a little season eventually as I keep an eternal view, as I keep an eternal perspective like my father has. This too will pass, and I'll have victory in this time of my life. There's a couple times, I think, in life when we have to be careful that this temptation, we're especially vulnerable to this temptation, and it's the same time that Jesus was. It's when we are physically uh, going through a rough time. Jesus was hungry. Uh, it, it, you know, we can't even stand to be around our best of friends when we're hungry, much less Jesus was with Satan when he was hungry. And I, it's probably a poor illustration since we just spent the last three days gorging ourselves on, uh, I was thinking of preaching on gluttony this morning, but I think that would go over very well. But there are times in our life when there's physical things going on in our life or circumstances when we feel like, God, are you in control? When Jesus was emotionally exhausted in this verse here, 
He's gone through baptism. He's been with friends. He's been with family. And now he's just spent the last 40 days wandering in the wilderness. And his companion, yes, he was led by the Spirit. And yes, the Holy Spirit is with him. And yes, God the Father is with him. However, his big companion is Satan through this time. He spent the last 40 days with Satan in the wilderness and he by this point is emotionally exhausted. And church family this morning, sometimes there's time in life when we have to step back when those temptations come and we have to ask ourselves the question, am I feeling this way or am I thinking this way because I am emotionally exhausted or because I'm physically exhausted? And if that's the case, then step back and do what Jesus did in these verses. Spend time with God in prayer. Spend time in the word so that it saturates our life and understand these situation is temporary. God has an eternal goal in mind. And when Jesus wasn't wasn't willing to fall to the temptation of questioning God's love, Satan said, okay, I'll go the next step. And the next step, Satan says, I'll get him to question God's plan. Notice what he says, if you will, in verse number five. It says, then the devil took him up on a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Satan's next attack presents Jesus with an alternative plan to becoming ruler of this world. He looks at Jesus and Jesus, the road that was before him was a road of suffering. After this time in the wilderness, he would enter into his earthly ministry and he would spend the next three years and we, many of us know the story of his life till eventually he would go to a cross. On that cross, he would die to pay for our sins and he would rise again from the dead in three, three days. But Satan was saying, hey Jesus, I can help you avoid the cross. There's an authority that's been given to me By Adam, when Adam sinned in the garden, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, it refers to Satan as the prince of the power of this air. In John, in uh, verse number 12 and verse 31, it says that the day will come when the ruler of this world, that being Satan, will be cast out. The Bible refers to Satan as the ruler of this world and Satan is looking at Jesus and saying, hey, I can help you avoid all of that if you just bow and worship me. I will give you control of this world now. You know, many times we're in the midst of the wilderness, we're tempted to doubt God's plan and try to run away from the wilderness. Many years ago, I was a young man. I just graduated high school and I was headed off to Bible college. I had spent years in prayer. I had counseled with people and I really believed with all my heart this was the direction that God wanted me to go for college. But there was a lot of questions I had. First of all, it was up north. I didn't want to leave sunny Florida. If you've ever watched Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, and you've seen the planet of Hoth, the place I was headed made that place look like a paradise. It was the Chicagoland area. I remember loading all the three things that you have when you graduate high school in the back of my little Dodge, my little Ford Bronco too, and my mom is out there and she's clutching my pillow and she's crying and I'm loading these things up and my, uh, I start to drive out of the driveway and the second my 
the second my tires kind of hit the main road, it's amazing how everything your parents forgot when you turned 12, they all of a sudden relearn when you turn 18. And they go from knowing nothing to being the most brilliant people on the face of the earth just by you leaving home. And so I'm driving down the road and I got up, I'm going down 95 and I got to Jacksonville. There was a young man by the name of Jose who was following me and he pulls up beside me and he's got this clear liquid film all over his windshield and his head is sticking out of his windshield and he's saying, pull over, pull over. I pull over to the side of the road and he had been following me and needless to say, my transmission had blown and all of that transmission fluid had come out of the back of the truck, coated the front of his car. It was so bad on his windshield that he had stuck his head out the window on 95 to try to see as he's driving down the road and all it was all over his face, caked everywhere. And I remember thinking, oh God, you're leading me a different direction. You don't want me to go off to the frozen tundra. And this was back before cell phones, so I found the nearest payphone, and I called my dad, and I said, Dad, I'm going to have to come home. My transmission on my car went out, and my dad, he said, son, he goes, is Jose still following you? I said, well, yes, sir. He said, leave your truck on the side of the road, throw your things in Jose's car, and keep driving. <laughs> I'm the oldest of five kids. My dad was glad that one of them was finally out of the house. I had a lot of questions about God's plan in my life at that time. And you know, there would have been a lot of easy ways. That, you know, a lot of times we step back and we say, you know, there's a much easier route. Or, and this was the case with Jesus, Satan saying, Jesus, I got a much easier route for you than the cross. Or Jesus, I can give you immediate gratification. You can be done, finalized right now. But folks, immediate gratification is always temporary gratification. It's not long-term. It's not something that Jesus would have had for long either. God's plan is always designed for his glory and for our good. And though there are times of suffering along the way, we are called to, as one writer put it, when I'm doubting God's plan, when I don't understand God's heart, I have to learn to trust his hand. I don't understand what God is doing in the middle of something. I've learned to trust the hand of God that he has, once again, an eternal view and that he is working out together all things for his good. That's why my, my life verse has become Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. It doesn't say there'll be easy paths, but he promises that he'll direct your path. When he doesn't fall for questioning God's love and he doesn't fall for questioning God's plan, Satan moves to the third temptation. It's found in verse number nine. Actually, it says, it says, then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Satan now tries a little different tactic. He's tempted Jesus about God's love, and Jesus' response has been coming from the Old Testament where he says, Satan, uh, I'm, not, I'm living by the word of God and the word of God alone. He's tempted Jesus about God's plan, and Jesus' response has been also from the book of Deuteronomy. We didn't jump back to this verse, but Jesus' response is, is uh, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only you shall serve. And now Satan says, I'm going to take a different approach. Jesus has been using scripture on me. I'm going to use scripture on him. 
So Satan, who knows his Bible very well, goes to Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12, and he quotes those verses to Jesus. He says, Jesus, I know back in Psalm 91 that they said that God will protect you. He will watch over you. He will let no harm come to you. And he ushers Jesus to the high side of the temple, the Bible says, and he's looking down on the Valley Kidron. I almost fell off the porch right here. He's looking down on the Valley Kidron. Josephus tells us it's about 450 feet in the air, and he's looking down on the valley, and Satan says, I read back in Psalm where God promised to protect you if you were to throw yourself down, or he promised to keep your foot from falling or failing physically. He says, I, he says, I want you to jump down off of here and put God to the test, if you will. But Satan has, as he often does, and as he always does, when he quotes scripture, he's left out a key phrase from Psalm 91. When Satan quotes it in Matthew, he says in verse number 10, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And then he leaves out the line from this verse that's found in Psalm 91, where in Psalm 91 it says, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways, or in all God's ways, or in all his ways, if you will. What the verse says is that as Jesus is in the will of God, God is going to protect him from anything that's going to hinder him from completing his ministry, if you will. But Satan says, Jesus, I think you should put God to the test and launch yourself off and try God and see if he will really take care of you. And Jesus responds once again with that Old Testament scripture from the book of Deuteronomy. He says, Satan, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. You see, folks, this morning, God, it, it, the third thing that he's trying to get Jesus to question, and the third temptation Satan will come at us in our life with, is to want us to ask, is God faithful? He will want us to question God's faithfulness in our life. And church, this morning, let me say, God is faithful to his character. God is faithful to his word. God is faithful to his will, but he has not obligated himself to be faithful to our whims, if you will. God is faithful to do what he promised to do. God is faithful to his character. He's faithful to his word. He's faithful to his will, but he has not obligated himself to be faithful to the whims of Jared Rhodes. He doesn't give me license to launch out and maybe claim that verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me and launch down a road that's my will. No. He says, Jared, you can do all things through Christ who strengthened you as you follow my or his will. And that's what Satan is trying to get Jesus, tempt him to do, to launch out in his own way, launch out in his own plan, launch out in his own direction, and ask if God will be faithful to him in the midst of all of that. And Jesus responds, like I said with that verse, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And then he finishes it up with this in verse number 13. It says, now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. I, I love this story because when you read through it, you know, many times when you read through the life of Christ and you read about his example and we try to follow his example, and many times there are great miraculous things that he is doing that we step back and say, well, man, I, don't, you know, I can't perform that, that miracle and things like that. But when you read the temptation of Christ, you know there's not any type of massive miracle or something that's beyond what he, what all of us can do as well. When you read through, the church, through those verses, Jesus' response is what? He says, you know what? I'm going to get the word of God. I'm going to study the word of God. 
I'm going to get the word of God in my heart and in my life. And I'm not only going to get it in my heart and in my life, but when I'm tempted, I'm actually going to, as James would say, be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. So many times we see the life of Christ and we see obviously we are awestruck by him and, and, we, are, and, we, and we love him. And there's, but so many times we see his life and it's like, man, that is, that, that's, such a, that's a big miracle thing. I can't do it. But you know what we can do is we can read the word of God and study the word of God and get the word of God in our heart and life and use it when temptation comes. That's what Jesus does here. He, he uses the word of God time and time again. And not only that, but the he, he, Bible says he's being led by the Spirit. We do have the ability to be led by the Spirit of God. We do have the ability to have the power of the Holy Spirit in our life to help us through these times. There's a time where he's, he's, he's very, he's very uh, intimate with the Father here. He has a relationship with his heavenly Father, and we can all do that. Jesus did not resist his temptation by, with some far-out means that none of us are capable of doing. He did it through just the simple means that are available to all of us today. But Jesus didn't go through these temptations because he needed to learn how to overcome them. Jesus went through these temptations so that he could sympathize with us when we face them. That's the most beautiful part of this whole story. As church this morning, you don't have a God who doesn't understand what you're going through. You don't serve a God who doesn't know what you're feeling, who hasn't been there at some time in his life. We serve a God who, as we celebrate, and as we spent this morning singing about Christmas, we serve a God who decided to take on flesh and to come down here to earth because it's, I'm going to redeem a group of people, and I want those people to know that not only am I redeeming them to have a relationship with God, their Father, but I'm redeeming them, and I'm going to do it in such a way so that when they're going through hard times, when they're sitting at that Thanksgiving table or at that Christmas table, and they look down to the end, and that missing loved one that used to be there is not there anymore. When they hit the holiday season and the, 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 the joy of it comes about, but you know, for many people, the holiday time is a time of grief and it's a time of stress. When they get that time, I want them to know that they have a God who can sympathize with them. And that's why he says in Hebrews chapter number two, inasmuch then as children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Think about that verse this morning, church. In that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. And church, you don't have a God, you don't have a Savior who expects you to just go through temptation on your own and willpower your way through it or survive it on your own. He says, I am a God, I am a Savior who will come and who will be right there with you through it because I have been there before. That's the God that we serve. 
And then he goes on in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. It says, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So you say, Jared, what I do, he says in the next verse, he says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may find grace to help in time of need. Jesus went through a temptation in the wilderness and he was tempted to question God's love and we're tempted to question God's love. And he was tempted to question God's plan and we're oftentimes tempted to question God's plan. And he was tempted to question God's faithfulness and there's many times we're tempted to question God's faithfulness. But church, we don't have to go through those temptations in our own strength and our own power. We have the throne of God to run to. We have a savior who conquered these things for us. So that in the midst of it, Whatever wilderness you're in, whatever place God has brought you, there is a Savior who says, hey, I've sat where you sit right now, and I love you. God has a plan. God has a purpose. Here's some grace to help. Here's some strength to help in the midst of your need. Father, we love you this morning, and we're grateful for your love and your goodness to us. Father, thank you for this portion of Scripture that shows us what to do in the midst of those times in life when we're going through trials and temptations or the wilderness. Father, help us to follow the example of Christ and have the Scripture in our hearts and our minds so that we're able to use it against the attack of Satan. But Father, also help us to rest in the finished work of Christ on Calvary and to rest in your power and your goodness. We'll ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet this morning, church, and we'll just have a brief time of invitation. The altar is open. Maybe you're in that time of wilderness right now, and you say, I just want to spend some time in prayer, asking God to give me that grace that I so much need in this time. Let's take the next few moments and just spend a time in prayer talking to him.